Welcome back to the Add to My Playlist podcast, you know, the place where we get to listen to great music and meet great artists. And I talked to my guest today about a book that's coming up. And in our conversation, I was overjoyed to find out that this, my guest is a musician. She's got songs on Spotify, which I love. I went through and was listening today. I love it. And uh, so I'm like, you got to come on this podcast, talk music, talk about your songs. And I'm excited to have Boo on the podcast. Boo, welcome to the Add My Playlist podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's exciting. Um, I'm going through your music on Spotify. I love it. Tell us a little bit about your your background, Boo. When did all this start for you musically? You know, before Christ. <laughs> BC. <laughs> BC, yeah. Um, this is like a very vintage uh these songs are vintage. Uh, I I started playing music in around. Let's see. I started by doing um, open mics and I auditioned at CBGBs, which is no longer. And that must have been around 1992. Um, wow. But yeah, I probably started making music around the same time. I jumped right in. I'm the kind of person as soon as I was, as soon as I could play the guitar, I was writing songs. As soon as I could play a song, I was playing open mics. As soon as I was playing open mics, I was trying to get gigs. Um, I just really wanted to jump all the way in. I was always stage bound. Nice. And I also nice. loved uh, recording from the minute I started. Back then it was uh, four tracks, like you had a little cassette tape. And hmm. I at first I borrowed my boyfriend's and then I got my own and then I was off to the races. I really always loved recording myself. So if you had to make a choice between studio or stage, where is your happy place? I love them both, honestly. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I love they're very, very, very different. I never really, yeah. you know, I never really made it to big stages as a musician, but um, I I really uh, am alive when I'm in front of a microphone. I'm one of those people, I feel more myself when I'm on stage than I do when I'm not. I'm just made that way. And, uh, but there's nothing more fun than making a record. So it's, it's, mm. it's, it's kind of like either or. Right. Yeah. Okay. So f one thing I like to ask people that come on the show is if like a good recipe, there's many ingredients to a great meal or a great whatever. Um, and I think as artists, we're a collection of great ingredients of, of music and genres and all that kind of mixed together. And that becomes us and our music. Tell us a little bit about some of the musical ingredients that go into you and your music. Well, it's an interesting question because right now in the present moment is 2013 or 2023. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what year is it? I just lost a decade. Okay. So <laughs> it's 2023 and, and we're kind of doing like a time travel to yep. 1990s and so yeah i mean i made most of my records in the 90s um so it's 30 plus years ago and also i've changed a lot um yeah. and my and you know a person's musical journey my my musical journey has been my whole lifetime um and it's different now and and it's funny actually because right now in this moment, I'm very obsessed with Sinead O'Connor, um, just because of her tragic suicide. And yeah. and this time period when I was making records was when she was making records, like her records that everybody listens to um, exactly the same time. So um, it's just an interesting question. I feel like my head's swirling, like I'm in a time mm -hmm. machine. So I guess I would say 
1993, when I first started making these records, I had been um, in high. So I'll just kind of do like childhood influences, you know, because it's been a long journey since then. But I grew up in Virginia and it wasn't an alternative music scene there. I mean, there may have been, but not not for a high school student. I I wasn't tapped into it. So I was really a top 40s person. And um, for me in high school, edgy was Pink Floyd, which is not that edgy, but I just wasn't really exposed. So um, I probably would have had to go to Washington, D.C., which was, you know, I lived in Virginia Beach. And that's where we had to go to buy punk clothes and it just, I was a provincial kid. And so I didn't have that kind of exposure. And that influence has been with me. You know, I, I, I'm not, um, I'm pretty open-minded. If, if something makes me happy musically, I don't judge. If it's top forties, great. If it's oldies, great. If it's punk, great. You know, so I wasn't very, I didn't have any attitude about the music I was taking in. And then when I got to college, I started hanging out with people who were listening to hard edge rock um and took all that in you know i just kind of listened to whatever the people around me were listening to i would go to grateful dead shows if someone said let's go to grateful dead show i would go to to the city to see urge overkill which was a sort of edgy rock band if that's what was happening so i think i'm just kind of a open-minded person if it makes me feel good i listen to it and as far as what i the music i made i just made I would literally write, I, like I said, as soon as I could play three chords, I wrote my first song and it was sort of like Tangerine by Led Zeppelin. It was kind of a copy of that song because it was easy to play. And so I always just wrote songs at the edge of my own musical ability. Mm. Like, and then I started collecting musicians to make the records. They obviously had a lot more musical ability than I did. And so I would write songs to the edge of their musical ability. And that, that is sort of without any judgment. Because one thing I heard when I'm listening through your stuff is I hear a little bit of, a little bit of the cranberries a little bit, maybe probably. And I'm like, yeah, I can hear some influences there, possibly. Uh, probably, I mean, yeah. probably through. Uh, you know, I was thinking about it too, like just in terms of female vocalists. Um, I was really influenced by Sinead O'Connor, and I didn't even really know it. And she's Irish, and coming from this Gaelic, Celtic. Yeah female vocal tradition um that you know she did a lot of warbling and yodeling and not you know just screaming and like taking things loud and then quiet and i think that comes really from i I don't really know that much about irish folk music but i just think there's a kind of i remember sitting on my on the roof of my building in the east village and just like caterwauling and um so that sort of uh free vocal style probably comes by not so much maybe the cranberries i I don't like i said i like the cranberries i like almost anything so uh i could see that just in the sense of it's like a sort of free um going between melody and plaintive like moaning (laughs) yeah but that's also a punk i think that's also a punk influence like at the time there was just you know like Lydia Lunch and um, there, there's this woman named Diamanda Gallas who I don't think anyone ever listens to anymore, but she would just like scream pretty much on her record. So that is also kind of like tapping into that primal female rage. Yeah, let me see. I love it. Which, um, uh, which so... is which has calmed over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, has it calmed? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in in fact, that was part of the reason I stopped doing music. Yeah. But I just finally got enough therapy and um, recovery to not need to scream all the time. And I wasn't as angry and I just 
felt that's when I started writing fiction. I was, I sort of, I think I used, um, you know, in the nineties also in New York city, like performance artists, like, um, I'm forgetting her name, but there was just like, there's a, there was, it was my, my work was sort of slash, I would say it was music slash performance art. There was a lot of, um, I was expressing things I could only express through music and a lot of it was anger. So when I started feeling less angry, I didn't feel quite as compelled to get up on stage and, and belt it out. Yeah. What kind of, what role does music have in your life right now? I'm more of a listener than a yeah. generator. I don't, I mean, I have my guitars out in my living room and I had a harmonium for a while. I still have it, but I was playing harmonium for a while, you know, and chanting and doing spiritual singing. Um, but I don't make a lot of music. I'm, I'm not making music right now. Yeah. It's a, it's a part of all of us, right? To some degree. And sometimes it takes a back burner a little bit, but it's just something that's always kind of there. Well, there's receiving music and there's generating music. So yeah. I would say that in terms of receiving music, I receive music like 70% of my day. I'm a very musical person. It's funny because I have two kids and they listen to music all the time. And my, my son was telling me about a friend he has that never listens to music. And he was like, I don't know how he survives. Um, <laughs> and that's how I am. I just wouldn't survive without it. It's it's part of my um, lifestyle. So I listen to music all the time and I'm always looking for new music. And um, I'm, I'm right now, I'm toying with the idea of trying to get a ticket to the Bob Dylan concert tonight. He's playing at the Beacon Theater. Um, mm -hmm. I don't go see a lot of live music, but um, yeah, I'm thinking about it. So yeah, I just, I love music, but in terms of, you know, sitting down writing songs, I do a lot of, um, well, like I said, like we were talking about, just published a novel this summer. Yeah. I am a fiction writer. I am a musician and I'm a visual artist and I've been doing a lot more visual art and writing and the music has sort of taken a back burner, but who knows? It could, it could, um, come up and pull me into it. And I think we talked about this too, like when I'm recording or writing music, it's so, all-encompassing it just you know and I had two children I, my son's uh junior in high school like when they were little babies I kind of had to put the guitar away because once I start playing mm. the guitar it's over like I just I can't hear people I don't want to do anything else and if I start recording <laughs> a song or even writing a song four yeah. days later I come out of that and so I had babies I had to look after so I kind of had to put the music on the on the back burner it's good well hey like what does it feel like to kind of just scroll through and like on Spotify or something and then, you know, you're, you're just doing your day and all of a sudden, oh, there's my song. Oh, yeah, that's me. Like, that's pretty kind of be kind of interesting and cool this, uh, to just uh, go on there and just see your stuff. That's I don't know. I, I'd be I'd be proud of that. Just the fact that it's there, you know, it's pretty neat. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's an interesting question. Um well, first of all, I just got the music on Spotify right right before my book came out. Um, and, yeah. it, and it really wasn't that easy to do. It's not like SoundCloud. Like SoundCloud, you just upload your yeah. your um, MP4s or whatever they are, MF, whatever they're called, um, and it's easy. But the, for, the, um, for the Spotify, I had to get someone to help me. And it was someone I got through one of those websites where you can hire a freelancer that you're just doing it online. And it just, we went back and forth and it really was complicated. It wasn't expensive or anything. It was just complicated. Um, so in that sense, I do feel <laughs> extremely proud that my music's yeah. on Spotify because I just thought I would never get it up there. And, you know, I just, I, I'm just also, yeah, it is a document. My, I see, I see my music right now 
as a document of a, a lived experience of being a musical artist in the 1990s. I think the last, like I said, I think the last thing I uh, mastered and distributed was in 2000. Um, so yeah, it's just a beautiful document. It will always exist. My kids can listen to it. You know, they don't listen to it, but they can. And um, yeah. people can find it. So yes, in that sense, I am, I am very proud and pleased. And I love, I love these songs. I just, I'm so glad we're talking about them because it's kind yeah. of like looking at, it's like looking at baby pictures or something. I mean, the, I was I was sort of a baby when I made this music, and I love it. It's beautiful stuff. It's amazing. So you threw some songs to me that we can talk about today, which okay. which is great. And and what I love about this podcast is that we can actually hear the songs while we're talking. So um, this is gonna be fun to do. Uh, you yeah, you sent me three songs to kind of go through and talk about. Um, do you want to start with the uh, the first one? Sure. Can you talk a little bit about that? Let's talk about that. Yeah, Stava's Confession. Um, yeah. Well, I um, I was going to go back and do a little research on this, but I didn't have time, so I'm, I, I may mispronounce things. Uh, this I did a lot of um, literary writing, literary songwriting. Um, so I would take a story or a book, a novel, and then I would um, translate my experience of that into a song. And this is one of those songs. So it's based on a character named Stavrogin or Stavrogin, which I said, I, I meant to research it. Let's just call him Stavado. Uh, <laughs> he's a character in a book by Dostoevsky called The Possessed. And in the book, he is, he, again, you know, I read it a long time ago, but my remem remembering of the book is that he was sort of a nobleman who went wrong. You know, he, he, he grew up in St. Petersburg and he got involved in revolutionary politics and he just kind of ended up becoming a bad person. Um, and mm -hmm. there was an experience, it's a kind of veiled, but yeah, it's about his relationship with a young girl that's extremely, um, suspicious and criminal, a sexual abuse situation. And, this is one of the things I was kind of working out in my head in my twenties, like the, these kind of um, liberties that adults take with children. And so that's what this mm. song is based on. And, you know, again, that's my remembering or my memory of that scene in the novel. Um, but so like almost every detail lyrically is taken from a detail in the novel. And Dostoevsky is, you know, just one of those incredible classic canonical novelists. So it's just a little, a little tribute. All right. And so when did this song come out? Uh, <laughs> Testing your memory here. I mean, your... it's come probably like 96. 96, okay. I mean, again, you know, you don't fact check me, please. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> um, this was, uh, this this is off of Tall Sleep. Um, so my first record was called The Vast Underneath. Here, I have it right here. Let's see. Maybe. Um, so Tall Sleep came out in, I mean, uh, The Vast Underneath came out in 1993. So Tall Sleep must have come out in 94. It was like an EP okay. that we made after the record came out. And I had um, recorded this with a guy named Josh Melville just on his home recording studio. Nice. Um, and that was the first time I'd worked with a producer that, you know, sort of respected my demo mentality. My first record, I had demos. But then when we went in, it was sort of the demos went out the window and we were making songs um, from a completely different template. Whereas Josh was impressed with the demo, liked the demo. And so his goal was to make the professionally produced song sound just like the demo, which is not easy to do because the demo has a kind of fresh, raw flavor. But I think we did a really good job. And I also made a lot of my own choices on this 
on this track. And also, I mean, I think the reason I chose this track, it does capture that kind of raw, crazy um, girl, riot girl sort of anger um, in the energy. I think it's a really energetic song. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. And it's just acoustic guitar. It's just acoustic guitar. Yeah, and vocals. that's it. There's is there no other instruments on it. Not that I remember. <laughs> okay, yeah. And you're playing as well. Is there? Yeah, that's me. That's all me. It's all me. Just all you. All me. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. It's funny okay. that I tend to remember the lyrical. I I tend to remember the songwriting um, in more detail than the performance, and I think that was always like an interesting balance for me. And that's the reason eventually I turned back to just writing and not playing music because like the guitar was always just a an accompaniment to my, to what I want to say. And, 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 and what I want to say was what I want to sing. And then, you know, the performance for me was usually like more about the vocal performance and not the guitar. That's just the way that I, um, that was sort of the hierarchy of my creative values, you know, is lyrics. And then how are you going to get those lyrics across? And then what mm -hmm. kind of energy are you going to put into the vocals? And the guitar was just chugging along in the background, carrying everybody along. I love it. Okay, so let's add this to our playlist here. And for those of you on Spotify, you can add it right now. You can do a little heart button and add this today. And if you're listening outside of Spotify and YouTube, Apple, wherever you're listening, uh, make sure you add this to your playlist. And here it is uh, here on the Add My Playlist podcast. Make sure you add it today. Here we go. Okay, so I know you're not a musician. I got it. Okay. What if you're just a music lover? Yes. Perfect. You're the perfect person to come on the Add to My Playlist podcast. Share with us your favorite breakup song, your summertime with the convertible top down song, uh, maybe your wedding song. What was your first dance? Oh, come on. All romantic. Come on the Add to My Playlist podcast and share your favorite song and the story behind it. We would love to have you. Yes, you. You love music. Come on the Add to My Playlist podcast today. Okay, so that was the uh, the song we've added to our playlist. We're going to jump ahead now. Uh, Bannister um, is the next one that uh, I booed through to us. So talk about Bannister. Tell us more about this song. Well, when I was um, trying to choose which songs I wanted to put on the playlist game that we're doing, which is very fun, by the way, <laughs> I thought about Bannister but you know I went back to my SoundCloud actually just to see which songs are most popular and just you know to sort of see well I know which songs I like but which songs are most popular and Bannister has always been a crowd pleaser I've had various I mean Bannister is a kind of song that people have come up to me and said that song really meant a lot to me or I heard it once and I've never forgot it um so it, it is um interestingly it's so interesting because it's also kind of thematically connected to Savo's confession, which I think all, most of my work and a lot of my songs, um, you know, I'm a child abuse survivor. So the songs go back to these kind of these this innocence of the child and mm -hmm. the way that the innocence of a child can be affected uh, by the world. And then also a sort of position of an adult looking back at the innocent of ch at the innocence of childhood Um so I think that the song, it's called Bannister, and it's a pretty simple song. Again, it's acoustic, it's acoustic guitar. And, you know, there's this one line, like, what's a child for? What's it grow for? What's that smile for? Um, so, you know, it's 
just this question of like how children have this full on experience of the world. They're sort of at the mercy of the adults who are looking after them. And they're, you know, the entire, there aren't, they don't really have rights um, to like escape a situation. And so Bannister is about that, you know, it's about um, more like the madness of the mother. And and it's so funny. Like, I, like I said, I'm just obsessed with Sinead O'Connor right now, but like, <laughs> that's what a lot, that's what her song Troy is about. And, and I think what the interesting thing is, is that I used to listen to Troy all the time and I didn't know it was about child abuse. And so mm. in that way, um, you know, Bannister can be about whatever you want it to be about. But I think even the title Bannister is for me, it was evocative. It just like I had uh, in my house as a kid, there were these banisters on the second floor and I would, and they, you know how a banister kind of looks like a prison. Um, yeah. I don't know if they use this banister, the word they use in Canada too, for, for, um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like, a, like a spit, like the spindles between. Yeah. Yeah. The right? spokes yeah, of a yeah, banister. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like a prison. Um, They're kind of like yeah. prison bars. So I just remember sitting up on the upstairs of our house, like kind of looking downstairs through these like bars on the banister, just trying to sort it out, you know? And I think when you're a child, you, your soul, I personally feel like your soul is already full. Like your soul is already fully arrived. I feel mm. like we arrive here like completely. Our souls are equal to any adult soul, but we, just don't have the language or the experience to describe what we're what we're feeling and and uh that's sort of what this song's about kind of like you grow into your soul kind of yeah you you get handed you get handed tools by your family by your culture by your school you know and and you, you get handed tools to sort of make it into the adult world but i think your soul is already full at least and also i don't know if you have kids but um yeah yeah, you see your kids. I mean, they kind of yeah. come, they kind of come as they are and they kind of stay that way. They don't, there's certain like um, basic core elements of their identity that they, I think they have fully in place when they, when they're one day old. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that completely. They're, all three of my kids are completely different <laughs> and they all have their own path. They have their own everything. So yeah. none, none of them are the same, which is great. Yeah. Um, take us behind the scenes a little bit of recording it as well. Tell us a little bit about Bannister. You, oh my gosh. Well, Bannister, I mean, it's fun to talk about because Bannister was, um, I made my first record, The Vast Underneath, in 10 days, you know, and we were on, I, I never, I mean, I never had a big budget. I think my first budget, oh God, I think it was like $3,000, which is hard to believe I made a record with that. I remember actually <laughs> with The Vast Underneath, when I got it mastered, I had a lot of remorse about you know, various mistakes I felt existed in the recording, in the in the recording, in the rough tracks. And the person who mastered it said, "I cannot believe you made this record for three thousand um, dollars." So that made me feel better because you know I I just don't think I had any concept of what a recording budget. What you know I just felt like oh someone's giving me money to make a record. I felt like I should be able to make. The record I wanted exactly, but you're, you're you're coming up against limitations with your budget. Um, yeah. So the second record, uh, well, then there was the EP, like I said, Tall Sleep, which we just played a track from. Yeah. The so this is technically my third time in the studio for um, Possible Bodies, um, which is the record Bannisters on, <laughs> and I got again. I think I had maybe a little more money, six grand, and I was working with the producer, Kurt Ralski, and he had been, um, Ultra Vivid Scene was his band, and they were really big, um, and that 
I think 4AD was their label, which had like the Cocteau Twins and um, all kinds of bands that I emulated or admired or just worshipped really. And so I worshipped Kurt mm -hmm. as well, even though I wasn't like an ultra vivid scene. I hadn't really listened to them. I was just really excited to have an actual producer. And he had this little studio on 34th Street. And he was kind of starting out as producer. He he was sort of um, he was pivoting from being a performance a performance based artist and a recording artist to being a producer. And and so he kind of took a chance on me. So it was you know he was doing something that was new for him. He had bought all this equipment. He had a studio, and I think we probably worked on the record for three months. At least that's my memory. I just remember we kind of camped out and we really had, the, I really got to have that experience. It was really, really, really great. It was so great. <laughs> um, and we had musicians coming in and out and um, Kurt was a, a very involved in every song. Like he played bass on a lot of the songs and we rewrote we some of the songs. It was just, I really feel like I was just really blessed at that time without a very big budget to have the experience of, rebirthing my songs with a really good producer a really he's such a brilliant musician too he's i mean we did everything we had we had musical saws we had a bagpiper come to the studio which all right scene i mean bagpipes <laughs> are so loud we all had to like cover you know our ears and like you know it was just crazy um we had a cellist we had we had just had we really went to town so banister is probably the simplest most least complicated production values on the record but it was it was like just a real gift it's i i think the record is um i kind of judge music or any kind of art really on whether or not it feels alive or not this record is very very alive very alive i love it so i love the song amazing did banister change at all during the recording process you walked in with one thing and you came out with something different Bannister, not so much. Mm -mm. Okay. Other songs, yes, but Bannister, um, I had made that was you know I had a couple songs that I'd done demos for, and that was one of them. I, I worked with this guy up in um, Boston named Kerm Mogison, and uh, he had a studio called Kissy Pig, um, that was in <laughs> Somerville outside of Boston, and so we did a few demos, Bannister. So I think that's also the kind of the, the good thing about demos um, is that you get to test drive your song, but the bad thing is you kind of get attached to whatever you did on the demo. And this was one of the songs that I was already attached. <laughs> mm. So it's a straight, nice. pretty straightforward, but people love it. I mean, I really think again, like, you know, I think my art, my art comes from sometimes often always sometimes comes from some of my inner childhood pain. And I think that the people who, connect to it kind of connect to it on that level it's good i love it okay yeah so this is banister here on the Adamite playlist podcast make sure you go ahead and add this to your your playlist of choice and uh share this song out with others as well let them know about a great song they need to hear and they need to add to their playlists here on the podcast hey thanks for dropping by the add to my playlist podcast this is the external version of our podcast for non-spotify listeners but if you go to spotify and sign up you can actually hear the song played here in the podcast without leaving it's great otherwise you can check us out on youtube we'll have links to the songs that we're speaking about within the podcast that you can click on and hear the the songs there on youtube but uh, thank you so much for listening to the Add to My Playlist podcast. Jump over to Spotify and check us out over there and see what you think. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.
right. So that was Bannister here on the Add to My Playlist podcast. Uh, I really love having you on the podcast, by the way. It's great to talk music with someone. I, I feel like I could do this all day, but this is awesome. We're going to talk about uh, the song Girl Like You is the, the last one we're going to look at today together. Um, there's got to be some stories here. I, I love this song as well. Tell us a little bit more about Girl Like You. So I think for a girl like you, um, the best way to talk about the song or to get into the songs to talk about the production, because again, it was a new experience. It was completely different from the previous recording experiences I had, and it was really special. Um, so I was working with a producer named Chad Clark, and he has his own bands, um, has his own, but he also is a recording a producer. Um, so right now he's got a band called Beauty Pill, and he had a band Smart Went Crazy, which um, all the all of his music and the studio that we worked on is in Washington D.C. So I just moved to Washington D.C. I was engaged. I moved there to be with my boyfriend. I'd never lived there before. I didn't know anyone, and moving there from New York, and I started this recording project with Chad. And so in my head, he immediately became my new best friend in Washington D.C. And this was self-funded, so I was paying for it myself. And um, I had stopped working with Big Deal. I think Big Deal, Big Deal Records, eventually went out of business. But I, and I think they were they were sort of fading at that point. They had been sort of a shoestring operation, paying for it with all of their money, trying to make it. Their goal had been to get bought up and funded by a bigger record label. It never happened. So they kind of ceased to exist. So I didn't have a record label. I was paying for it myself, and I was working with Chad and Chad was working at Inner Ear Studio, which is where Fugazi recorded and lots of really interesting DC bands recorded there, but, but namely Fugazi. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm recording at Fugazi. And Chad had worked on some of the Fugazi records, like I'm recording with Fugazi's producer. And I don't know if you know Fugazi, but they yeah. were um, seminal um, and just influential and also just awesome. So I just, you know, <laughs> it was like heaven for me again. As I'm talking about this, I just feel so grateful for the opportunities I had as a musician, considering that I had like zero money. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't like an expensive thing. Chad and I kind of worked off hours when he wasn't doing other things that we weren't like inner ear, inner ear. We also, you know, we were, we were working at inner ear, but we were really not really working on their soundboard. We were Chad had like a little room in the back where we were working on his digital recording equipment. Um, so it was all digital, which felt very cutting edge in like 1999 and um and then i was i was using um musicians that chad knew from dc and it was just really fun and again like chad and i almost became co-writers you know co-songwriters and we really redid a lot of the songs and he had a lot of um i mean i just think it's really fun and interesting that when you listen my records you can you can hear the producer's influence it's still my music yeah. but but chad definitely influenced it so and it was just yeah. it's very fun to collaborate i mean and now that i'm just writing fiction such a solo journey i'm just so grateful for the years i made music because music is a social <laughs> a social art form at its best so there was just a yeah. lot of you know conversation going on so a girl like you i would say definitely shows strong influence of um chad's vision and not just for the structure of the song but the the way it all sounds and um i feel like i've been talking a long time but i did want to talk about the songwriting too should i just yeah oh yeah please yeah yeah 
like I just uh, like I said, just push a button and I'll start talking. You, and you have to push. I love that you're so excited to talk about this. I like. Yeah, that. well, you have That's to push a button great. to make me stop. See? You have to push <laughs> a button to make me stop. Well, so for the songwriting for this song, um, the first song we talked about was Stavo's Fashion, and I was saying how that was inspired by a novel. Well, this song was inspired by a film, North by Northwest, which is a Hitchcock film. And there's a scene in that film where oh, the whole film is amazing. But there's a scene in that film where the male and I don't remember their names now, but the, the Cary Grant character and the Eva Marie Saint character are in a hotel room. And she's just flat out. She's a double agent. She's deceiving him. He goes to take a shower and she like takes all his clothes. So he can't leave the hotel room. And, you know, just... There's just constant double crossing going on, and but they're also madly in love. So to me, that's just sort of an interesting metaphor for any kind of relationship. Um, and I just, you know, so a lot of the song is inspired. It's also very stylized. I mean, Hitchcock was so into stage design. So in my mind, when this song plays, I see that scene in my head, and I just, okay. you know, everyone's wearing these kind of crisp 1950s couture fashions, and it's a very like stylized mid-century modern hotel room and it it, it just this mm. song for me um it's fun to talk about because obviously someone else listening to it probably wouldn't see any of that but that's what i see mm. now nice. you can see it too now that you've heard now, me describe it you can go watch the movie and you know right yeah the glass ashtray by the phone everything. oh yeah you you've seen it, it you've seen it yeah the yellowy curtains. Yeah, you know, exactly. And then the he like smell. Writes, and when he gets out of the shower and she's gone, um, she's written down where she was going on a pad with like a ballpoint pen. And so even though <laughs> she rips off the paper, he can see the address on the pad where yeah. it had pressed through the paper. Mm -hmm. Like I just love all that. And to me, again, yeah. it's just like relationships are hard. That would be the theme. <laughs> relationships are hard. <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, there you go, girl like you. Um, I, I love that you've painted a really very uh, intricate picture for us as we listen to the song too. That's a, that's a that's a gift. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to listening to this again. So here's a girl like you. Uh, he again here on the Adam Playlist podcast. Make sure you add this to your playlist and listen with all that in your mind. The showers running in the background. <laughs> It's you can just you can smell the room you can do it all and uh, the room smells the like song. the room smells like perfume right? the room smells like perfume for sure there you go see uh, here on the head of my playlist podcast a girl like you here we go hey so if uh, you are interested you know we do have a YouTube channel head over to our YouTube channel links are in the show notes come on over there and check out the uh, the songs that we talk about here on the episode, you can actually head over there, see them, hear them, add them to your YouTube playlist. Oh, yeah, you can do that. Uh, we won't charge anything. You can come and check out all the great songs we talk about and hear them over there, in addition to right here on Spotify. It's the Add to My Playlist podcast. Thanks for listening. So that was Girl Like You here on the Out of My Playlist podcast. I hope you're enjoying this as a listener because I'm loving this to uh, talk all things music and get some inspiration. I just want to go get my guitar. I got somewhere over there. I want to I want to go play and do that as well now as we talk about all this stuff. Uh, so beyond your musical career, you're pressing forward with the book we talked about at the beginning um, and all your art and everything as well. Can you... 
Tell us a little bit about where you're at now. Let's talk about the book as well. You're going to come on my Living the Next Chapter podcast, and we're going to get deeper in the book. But for those listening and they want to know more about you and where you're at today, give a little update on where you're doing right now. Well, yes, my debut novel came out this summer, um, end of June. It's called The Daughtership. It's on Pantheon Books, and we're going to talk about that soon. I actually put the put the book in the mail this morning, and I was thinking, oh, it's yes. not that easy. To, well, I don't want to give away where you live, but it wasn't that easy. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's just say I had to cross a border. <laughs> it makes things a yes. little more complicated. Um, <laughs> so I um, have been a fiction writer my entire career. Um, even back in the nineties when I was making this music, I was writing fiction and I was trying to get novels published all, all the way through, but for whatever reason, it was hard for me to find a way to channel my creativity and my vision into a book that other people could see as a viable book product. Um, and so that finally happened. I found an editor who really gets me and she gets what I'm trying to do. And I, I would say if anybody's listening to this podcast and they like the music and they like what I'm saying, then they're going to love the book because it always, all of my work interacts and speaks to the same part of the soul and it's coming from the same part of my soul. So it's, it, the book would be a nice, uh, partner to the music which is also nice. a nice partner to the visual art i make it's all connected yeah and the visual art that i make is all on my instagram you know it's every i i post it quite liberally on the internet there's no shortage on my website there's a link called gallery that has a lot of the weird stuff i've made over the years so so while we're talking about that what is your instagram handle and it's boo trundle yeah it's a b-o-o-t-r-u-n-d-l-e trundle like a trundle bed uh boo yeah. boo like the ghost so yeah yeah boo trundle i've tried to make it all pretty uniform so anywhere you want to find me you just look up boo trundle and you'll you'll get a direct porthole into the crazy <laughs> amazing was there any other songs that come to mind that would be a good compliment to to reading your book at the same time, kind of having it in the background, having that music play? Uh, Sunshine, Swimming Horse, Death. That is the name okay. of the song. Sunshine, That's Swimming Horse, Death. That's a good name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm looking at my records. I mean, all of it, really. But um, she was a wanton and someone must tame her. Hmm. Uh, Taint in the Cards. What else? That song was on a soundtrack, wasn't it? Taint in the Cards was, but don't ask me the name. A Day at the Beach. Yes, it was on the soundtrack for A Day at the Beach. There you go. Well, that's good. That came back to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, like all the music, like I said, it's all, Make Your Bed. Yeah, it's all it's all part and parcel to the grand project, which is staying on this planet as a person in 20... What did I say? 2013? 2013? Yeah. Happy 2013, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Hey, all right. <laughs> What's a decade? Like, what's what, a decade? Yeah, come on. Yeah, <laughs> decades, decade, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we can put all the music on and just go through the whole playlist and read the book at the same time, have it playing in the background. Oh, my God. I think that'd be a, a whole moment. Over, right? That might be overload. Maybe you just want to, like, listen to some nice, like, mellow music while you read the book. So, <laughs> but listen to music in your car. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Okay, so again, the website, where do we go? Um, and then where can we buy the book? Where is it available? 
Uh, well, everywhere. It's all, I mean, I saw it at multiple Barnes and Nobles. I, I checked, I went, I, everyone I went to had it. So they must be everywhere. Nice. And um, it's Pantheon is a big publisher. They're part of the big five. They're, they're a Penguin Random House imprint. Yeah. So it's, the book has really great distribution. And I have also been told that the audiobook is awesome. I only listened to like the first 20 minutes was too much for me, but um, I've heard it's really great. So if you're an audiobook person, it's got a full cast and um, highly recommend it. Even though I haven't listened to it, other people recommend it. I don't know. It's just too hard for me to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. It's like staring in the mirror for too long. You start to see things you just don't want to see. <laughs> Did you have any part in the audiobook at all? Yeah, I had. Uh, I had sort of veto power for the auditioning okay. actors. You know, they would kind of send once they picked, they would narrow it down and they would say, which one do you like the best? But I wasn't, I, I kept saying to them. Um, and I think this is an important life lesson I can impart to listeners today, which is that it was the first time I had ever made an audiobook, and the production team does them every day. And so I just said, you guys decide, like, I didn't feel qualified to come in there and be like, well, this is the voice I want on the audiobook. They know what they're doing. So I let them yeah. handle most of it. They they kind of like gave me um imaginary responsibilities. <laughs> so I could feel like I was making decisions. <laughs> there you go. But technically your work was back in the studio again in a different format. But well, I did. I know. Written, it's true. Right? I asked so. if I could be there. I really wanted to be there. And I asked, but they said no, which was probably a smart decision. I mean, again, like I know I keep talking about Sinead O'Connor, but um, I'm listening to her book and she narrated it. And it's really interesting um, to hear her reading her own writing. Um, it Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So I just I'm not an actress. So you know, it probably was better that I didn't narrate myself. Amazing. Okay. So that's available too. So we'll have links to that in the show notes as well for people to follow up. And again, we'll invite you back to uh, listen to our episode of Living the Next Chapter. And we're going to be talking more about the book there. So thank you so much for doing this. And I love, I love just sitting back and listening to you reminisce and kind of go back through your stories. And I'm, again, I'm amazed that you can pull these names out of thin air <laughs> the way you can. Um, there wasn't a lot of editing in the background, everyone listening. I'm, I can't remember anybody's name, so I'm thrilled that you were able to do that. So well done. Well, yeah, please don't do any fact checking. L <laughs> listeners, be kind to me. Just take my word for it and we'll just move forward. <laughs> yeah, we're all, all right. friends here. We're all well, thank friends. you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. All right, Boo, thank you so much for being on the show. Everyone, again, go check out the show notes and support your local artists. Definitely do that. Go catch a little cafe show off the beaten path and support that artist up there sharing their work with you and pouring their heart out through guitar strings and a microphone and get out there and support your local artists you never know where it's going to lead them so thank you Boo, for doing this appreciate it thanks dave awesome hey guys just jumping on here quick this is the add to my playlist podcast my name is dave if you go to our website truemediasolutions.ca backslash add to my playlist you can now leave us a voicemail and we'll put you on the podcast yes you can be on the podcast we would love to have you on leave us a message when you go there this is what it sounds like i recorded one i'm going to insert it right here so you can hear what it sounds like leave us a message tell us what your favorite episode was who else should we talk about on the on the podcast who should we have as a guest you tell us 
your voice on our podcast. I love this. Here we go. This is what it sounds like. So I'm over here on truemediasolutions.ca backslash add to my playlist. I'm on the website for the Add to My Playlist podcast. I see a great video looking for guests. I see all kinds of great stuff here about the Add to My Playlist podcast. And then there's this button. It says, leave us a message. We want to hear from you. A podcast that wants to hear from its listeners. OMG. Yes, you can go to truemediasolutions.ca backslash add to my playlist. And you can click the link and record a message which we will include in our podcast. Do you want to hear your voice in the podcast? Leave us a comment. Leave us a suggestion. Hey, if you have a song that you want to hear featured on the Add to My Playlist podcast, record it right here on the website. We'll use you on on the episode and we'll give you full credit. Go to truemediasolutions.ca backslash add to my playlist. Hit the button, record a message, and we'll put you on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Add to My Playlist podcast. So head over to the to truemediasolutions.ca backslash add to my playlist. Leave us a voicemail. Very simple. Come on, don't wait. We want to hear from you. Thanks.